Vegas Fever Podcast. Jason here with you, and uh, Paul is here as well. Hi. And we're going to talk about some Golden Knight stuff a little bit later after we talk uh, about this uh, interesting uh, couple of days UNLV's had. Uh, so on Friday, they beat San Jose State 76-60. to 60. Uh, Bryce Hamilton had 18 points, and David Jenkins had 16 points. It was a all-around good game for UNLV. They shot 56% from the field. Uh, they shot. They only made five threes. Uh, Jenkins made three of them. Uh, they shoot about 36% from three for the year, and they shot 33% in this game. Um, they out-rebounded San Jose State. They turned the ball over more than San Jose State, which didn't seem to uh, affect them as they were able to cover the 15.5-point spread, uh, winning by 16. Uh, largest lead was 17. I like the way that Devin Tillis played. He came in and started the game for Moses Wood and scored 14 points in 24 minutes um, for UNLV. Uh, Mbake Jean with 6 points and 6 rebounds. Nick Blake had 9 rebounds and 6 points. Um, it was a really good effort. Uh, they were able to, uh, contain Richard Washington for most of the game. That was his first game back after being out for a month with a head injury. Uh, he scored 15 points. Uh, Ralph Ag scored 18 points. I wrote about that in my Mountain West Wire preview, uh, for the series that, I thought containing him was going to be, you know, he was the key player for San Jose State to keep keep a hold of, and he was 8 for 10 from the field. They contained everybody else. Um, Trey Smith had 15 points for uh, San Jose State as well. Interesting to me, they played, let me count them here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 players off the bench for um, a total of 37, 38 minutes total of those seven players and none of their bench scored not one person while UNLV's bench only three, they're eight deep. So they have three players coming off the bench. Only, uh, they scored, let's see, 29 points off the bench, uh, 16 from Jenkins, 11 from Moses Wood, and then two points for Reese Brown. So everyone's pretty happy coming off that victory, uh, for UNLV on Friday night. And then you fast forward to um, Sunday afternoon and the Rebels pretty much come out and they just um, can't seem to shoot the ball. Uh, San Jose State can't seem to rebound the ball. UNLV is able somehow to defeat the Spartans 67-64. And just taking a look here, UNLV shot 25%, almost 26% from three. Uh, which is horrible, and 35, almost 30, 35.5% from the field, which isn't bad. The problem for San Jose State is they couldn't rebound the ball. UNLV had almost as many rebounds as they had points. They had 59 rebounds. They out-rebounded the Spartans by 30 rebounds. But San Jose State, uh, you know, UNLV went up 13 in the second half, and then San Jose State, is just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. UNLV can't can't hit anything, and San Jose State is raising their field goal percentage. They ended up shooting just about 43% from the field for the game and almost 35% from three. 
that makes UNLV's numbers look really bad. But I, I mean, I mean, the difference here is you have a couple of guys for UNLV creating double doubles for themselves, and Bakay Zhang with 13 points and 13 rebounds, just huge for UNLV to be able to get that production from him. I mean, he's the biggest guy on the floor, so. You know, you need to be, you know, getting him the ball as much as possible. Bryce Hamilton with the other double-double for UNLV, 17 points, 12 rebounds. David Jenkins off the bench, 13 points um, for UNLV. Um, already talked about Bryce Hamilton. Let's see, Devin Tillis with 11 rebounds. That's really, really good for him. Um, San Jose State had um, three players in double figures. Uh, Richard Washington uh, with 10 points and eight rebounds. Um, Omari Moore also was able to get into double figures uh, for them. He had 13 points and five rebounds. And then uh, Sebastian Mendoza played a really good game for San Jose State. Uh, 14 points and, and three, re three rebounds for him. Uh, the Spartans were able to get uh, more bench production. Than they did in the last game. They were, didn't play as many people, but they were able to get 12 points off their bench. Um, just alarming the way that UNLV plays kind of down to the competition. This has been a theme for years uh, through multiple coaches. But, you know, they weren't playing San Diego State. They weren't playing, New, you know, Nevada. They weren't playing Utah State or Boise State. They were playing San Jose State. And San Jose State had five victories. They're five and fifteen. This part of the schedule, with two games left, their last series against Fresno State starting Wednesday uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center, is a time where you can build uh, some confidence and get hot right before the conference tournament. Now, if you look at the standings, UNLV is probably not going to be any better than sixth, which means they're going to have to play four games in four days instead of three games in three days. Um, obviously we don't know if the Mountain West is going to reschedule some of the series that have been postponed. They've called it since COVID, which was the first two conference series that UNLV was supposed to play against Wyoming and San Diego State. Rescheduling those series and making UNLV play them might actually be helpful, um, because they can grab two victories against Wyoming. I don't know about San Diego State. Uh, that they probably wouldn't beat San Diego State at all. Not the way they played against San Jose State. It was like kind of running in mud. UNLV just could not seem to get out of their own way. They couldn't make a shot. They could re they could rebound the ball with the best of them, but they couldn't put the ball in the basket. It was just like a lid was over it. It was just so frustrating. And they build a lead in the second half, and just to let it just to let it evaporate. Um, and then you end up having to, you know, eke out a win you know, in the last 10, 15 seconds of the game. And that's just very, very frustrating. Fresno State is a little bit better of a ball club. Um, they're right behind UNLV for the sixth spot. They're in seventh right now. And you're going to play two games against them. And they can beat you um, if UNLV plays the way that they played uh, against them, that they played against San Jose State. They will lose. Um, and... They might end up with the seventh seed. I like the sixth seed for UNLV if they're going to have to play four games in four days. And the reason why I say that is because 
the sixth seed plays the 11. The 11 seed is the worst team in the conference, and that's New Mexico. And New Mexico is very, very bad. UNLV already uh, beat them twice. Uh, I think that UNLV can beat them two more times, or one more time. Uh, they'll have to do that if they play um, in the first round of the Mountain West Tournament. Then they would get the three seed, which potentially could be Colorado State. And you think, oh no, Colorado State. But they almost beat, they lost to the Rams in Fort Collins twice by a combined total of six points. So I'm not totally doubting um, that UNLV couldn't beat them. They almost did. Now that was um, that was over a month ago. So I'm not really sure exactly where we stand there. Colorado State is one of the hottest teams in the conference, uh, along with Utah State and Boise and Nevada. That top four, actually, my mistake, San Diego State. Instead of Nevada, so Colorado, Colorado State, San Diego State, Utah State, Boise State—that is four teams that can make the NCAA tournament. And if those are the final four teams in the Mountain West tournament in the semis and the finals, that will be a really good um, Friday and Saturday of basketball in order to get the automatic uh, bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, I do think UNLV will attempt to finish strong. It is quote unquote senior day. Uh, the last game uh, for Mbake Zhang, who is the senior uh, for UNLV. Um, he's able to come back if he so chooses because of the rule the NCAA passed giving seniors who are seniors this year an extra year of eligibility. So I think he's improved in every single year that he's been at UNLV. He was very raw. Uh, when Marvin Menzies got him, um, he's from Senegal, I believe, in Africa, and he is—he's been fantastic for for UNLV. And he was very—he he didn't have very much time playing basketball, and Marvin Menzies had to put together a team, and Marvin was able to—he was able to find uh, this guy, and he's been very good for T.J. Altsberger. Um, and I, I like the way that TJ Altsberger has been de able to develop players everywhere that he's been, and this is no different. And he could be really super helpful for UNLV next year. They're, you know, they'll get Marvin Coleman back. They're bringing in a couple of kids. Um, they're going to return just about everybody. Obviously there will be defections. There will be people who leave and you will also pick up transfers. So, you know, UNLV could look a little bit different this year. I'm a little disappointed that they haven't played um, some of their younger new players that have seen very limited time, like Jalen Martinez and Donovan Yap. You haven't seen those guys. And uh, you hear a lot of talk on Twitter of people saying, where are these guys? Why aren't they playing them? And then TJ is just, right now, he's just trying to kind of get through a really difficult COVID year, and he, you know, he goes eight deep every game. So this is how it's going to be for the rest of the year, for the final two games of the year, and also the conference tournament. Here's how he's going to play it, and things are going to, you know, the chips, quote-unquote, are going to fall where they may, and the season's going to end, and we're going to, because I don't really think playing, you know, the way that UNLV played against San Jose State in the second game on Sunday afternoon or evening really did them any good. They looked horrible and it was very frustrating to watch. I can't imagine how frustrating it was to coach, but it's very frustrating to watch when you see 
a team that you just beat with the same guys by 16 points less than 48 hours before, and you're just, you're struggling, and there's no really no reason for it. They missed so many easy shots. It was like watching year one or year two of the of the Menzies era. I mean, you know, a few shots here, a few shots there go in. We're not really having this kind of discussion, but it had to come down to the last shot, which was a wide open shot for, I don't remember who, for San Diego State, but he was able to get loose. And if that goes in, we're looking at overtime. Why are you going to overtime with San Jose State for? They're they're bad. So we'll hope for something a little bit better uh, from UNLV uh, coming up Wednesday uh, and Friday. Uh, I will have a preview that will be done on Tuesday for the Mountain West Wire. So follow me at Vegas Fever Pod and check out the Mountain West Wire um, on Twitter at MWC Wire. Uh, both those games uh, will be at the Thomas and Mack Center, and they will be late uh, East Coast time, but on the West Coast, they'll be at 8 o'clock uh, each game. Uh, the first game will be on FS1, and the second game will be on CBS Sportsnet. And, well, let's talk about Golden Knights. I think it's time uh, to kind of move our way over there, get to the good stuff. Hi. Hi. I guess we should just start at the beginning. Um, Tuesday, Vegas and Colorado uh, at mm-hmm. T-Mobile Arena. Um, I don't think they look very good. Uh, the last three games, they were able to escape with a victory last week in that yeah. last game, but they didn't look very good um, Tuesday night. Um, Flurry gets the call again. Uh, Leonard is not ready to go. And it wasn't so much him. It was just they're just not getting a ton of production uh, at the moment. Um, uh, I'm especially disappointed in Alex Petrangelo. will probably come back, circle around to that. But they lose three two. Colorado gets a goal within in the last forty within forty seconds uh, of of the game. It was like thirty nine or thirty eight seconds left, and that's it. It's over. And I guess you could take away some good from that. Is you know uh, they were very close to getting one point. You know, I mean, you got guess, there's takeaways you got to take away from that. Like, you know, you know, Flurry, even though he did allow three goals, he's he's been really good. He's he's been overworked. Um, well, you you made a good point today when we were talking about it briefly. Is you know, it would be nice for him to have a little bit of a break. So even if Leonard couldn't come back, um, dance just for a game. Mm-hmm. I'm totally down for Oscar Dance to play on tomorrow night. Yeah, I I think I think that's fair because you're going to get Leonard back at some point. He's going to come right. back, and Pete DeBoer is going to fall in love with this guy because he's it's any excuse because Flurry has yeah I quote unquote like, messed up, which yeah. he hasn't at I all. I know, but you know this is going to be against him. Who knows right. if they're even going to go back to every other game? It might be more Leonard. I suspect when he comes back, then flurry. But if I'm Pete DeBoer and I'm looking at it, I'm looking these at these guys. This, this one game, one one game, the other. That was working because the Knights are ten four and one. Yeah, right. I know, so I mean, but it's working. We don't again. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I feel like yeah. he's waiting for Flurry to fuck up. And I think that's where a lot of this pressure comes from. But the team didn't look good. They didn't look good at Tahoe. No. 
No, they did not. And I know that they there did. were other factors working into that. Right. But. The ice was a mess. I mean. It, but it, they had a break. Right. And they, I thought that maybe did. the they break did. would rejuvenate them, but it didn't. It's really hard because you think about it, right? You you are You are. You've eaten, you've game planned. Some of the guys drank coffee. Okay, I, I read this. And you're ready to go. The NHL says everything's good to go. You come out and it's 27, 28 degrees, which is fine. But the sun is shining. And it's killing the ice. There's a guy who's Darren Drager. He's, um, he's a big national guy for the NHL. And I had mentioned to you, he had said this on Twitter, which was... The logos mm -hmm. are different color, and the sun is attracted to them, and it's just eating up the ice. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, someone's going to get hurt, so I don't blame the NHL for delaying. I blame them for not being this aware. They've done 30 outdoor games. Right. It should be done in the evening. And when they came back, you know, so shame on them, because that's bad when they came back the setting was really nice yeah. it was really amazing they had plenty of light both teams were ready to go but i feel like vegas lost 20 minutes of play and were down a goal and had two guys in the penalty box not for very long but i think that the momentum even though it was almost nine hours in between was not favoring them they were able to tie the game they never led they were close. Yeah, I know, but, but it just they was... got themselves into that situation because of them. They did. So. They did. Flurry, that puck that went in, I don't think Flurry saw it. I don't think he did either. And I think that's part of And I mean, I mean, you, you've got guys, you've got the goaltender, uh, Grubauer, for Colorado, wearing sunglasses underneath his helmet. Yeah, you can't say You that. don't play this way. Flurry had the better angle. Yeah, that's The better side. But... There's, you know, like if I'm giving like loser awards of the week, the NHL is top is is top, because this is not their first, second, or fifteenth rodeo. Yeah, and then they had some weird guy um, putting a golf ball yeah. in the snow and then fell. Second loser award goes to NBC Sports for that crap. That because was, oh my god, so embarrassing. It was so awkward to watch. But they had to figure it out because they were, there was an hour and a half intermission. I, I mean, they had to figure it out. I would commercial for 20 minutes than I mean, watch that crap. I think what they did was they did all their in-between intermission stuff that they were going to do, and they pushed it to the front because the NHL told them 15 more minutes, 15 more minutes, and we still aren't ready. I knew the game was going to be postponed when they hadn't started the clock for the intermission, the 18-minute yeah. clock, and it was like 45 minutes in. I'm like, this is a problem. And 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 the people, the NHL, you know, the crew is working so hard on the ice trying to keep it ready. Um, I don't think it really mattered how bad the ice was. Alex Petrangelo has not been good for Vegas, no. and I think it takes time for a, new, a guy to get used to a new team. He was fantastic in St. Louis. He won a Stanley Cup. He was our captain. He just doesn't, he just looks lost. He does. He's not as impressed as, as you said he was going to be. And I think he's going to, he's going to get there. I think that he's, he's going to improve, but through the first 15 games or so, it's just not, he's almost a liability out there because people get around him and they shouldn't. Easily. Yeah. And he falls 
or one or the other. I mean, look, look, I can't skate, okay? Right, right. I would and like neither to see can you. Get... you. I however, can. I never said I could. However, I don't get paid eight million dollars well, a year. It's and... gonna happen, but right. he does excess. He just he's not he's not good. I still like him over Nate Schmidt. I don't care about. I, I mean, I, That's he's not as much of a liability. I've seen Schmidt multiple times this year in highlights. Give the puck away. Just give the puck away. At least this guy falls down. The other guy gives the puck away. I think Petrangelo will improve, but mm, okay. it's taken we'll it, it's taken time. Why is it taking time for? I thought he was a great player. He is, but sometimes when you switch teams, it's not instant. No, but hockey is hockey, yeah. It is. Hockey is not pudding, which is instant. It takes time. That was really lame. But I like that comparison because it, it it really it might work for somebody else. If I was saying it to somebody else, it you don't like my lame comparisons. Um, I I just don't think their offense is clicking either. It, it just seems like we're going through one of those Vegas lulls that we go through like every couple months during the season, where they're no. just they're you know and. It's ebbs and flows, though. And that's true. And Colorado has taken two out of three from Vegas, and they'll play one more time. I would um, just be worried if they're in the playoffs together. This could be a Western Conference mm. finals or semifinal uh, preview, and I'm not liking what I'm seeing against this team, and I don't think Philip Grubauer is any good. Their their line of, you know, Landeskog and Rantanen, that first line for Colorado, is really good. Mm-hmm. And Colorado's really good. We know they have Pierre-Edouard Belmar. They have a really good team, but I don't think they're like Philip Grubauer was a backup on the Capitals team that beat the Knights. Mm-hmm. He was Braden Holpe's backup. I I just I'm not a, like a, he's one of he's playing right now as one of the best goaltenders. I just don't care for him, and he's making he's making himself look really good. Uh, Flurry needs some rest, so you know we're obviously going to get Leonard back, um, much to your dismay. But I just. My my wish for that is to go back to the every other game switch off. I just hope that he doesn't Leonard 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 because he's the answer to everyone's prayers apparently, or to Pete DeBoer's prayers I should say. I think it keeps Mark Andre Fleury fresh. That's what I think he's trying to do because I no. don't think I think he cares for one versus the other more, but he's trying to keep them I fresh. So he's he, using him. You know it makes him work harder for sure not that he has to he he's a hall of famer again we're going back to why is he still having to prove his worth how many years into his career is ridiculous to me but mm-hmm. I, I do think he needs a, I hope they play dance tomorrow if Leonard's not playing have they said yet no um... I'm sure we would have heard by now right me being the stalker that I am, um, they're on their way to Denver because there is a uh, sports and aviation oh gosh, Twitter. Twitter. This is. Can I just say, whoever made that Twitter needs to get a life. Okay, and it is very creepy, and it's. Um, I get you love your team. We all love our team, but to stalk. The plane that they are on, their flight numbers, first of all, that's an invasion of privacy. And I think it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. 
So uh, a simple knowing they landed. Cool. You don't need to know their flight number. I mean, do you know what seat they're sitting into? Or is it a private plane? Patrick was in 36C. I'm not I mean, really sure. And the fact that you check it. It's, it's retweeted by somebody I'm following, so I see it on my page. By the way, Sports and Aviation, whoever runs that Twitter feed, if you're listening, which you're probably not, that's Paula, and she is at the Golden Wife on Twitter. I don't if care. Wanna, Come at it, me. You're creepy. You are creepy. It's handy information. No, for what? Because now you know when the team landed and how long they have to practice. Who Maybe cares? hold on. When is the morning skate going to happen? Who knows? Now we know. They will tell you when they tell you. You don't need to know. Do you want someone stalking your every move? I get more information from these sports and aviation people than I get from Pete DeBoer about who's going to be in the lineup. Who you should that should not be known as to what flight they're on. That is insane. It's creepy. It's weird. So they're on their way to Denver uh, via <laughs> sports down. and aviation uh, Twitter right now. Um, so they'll probably get in uh, soon if they haven't already. And then they'll oh, I'm uh, sure skate you in the morning. Why don't you just check it? I'm sure they... It'll probably be an optional skate in the morning. And uh, Flurry will be there. If Flurry's not there, that's telling. Because Marc-Andre Flurry was told like a year or two ago to go to less optional skates by Gerard Gallant, um, and he still goes to all of them, Marc-Andre yeah. Fleury does, but if he's not there, that's it's obvious that it's not him. Or if they bring up that goaltender, Logan Thompson, from the AHL to the taxi squad, mm-hmm. then I think, I think there's clues, and I follow enough Golden Knights people that I can... Stalk. I, you know, well, no, no, I don't stalk. I follow, they tweet. Look, if look, if you think that Twitter should be renamed Stalker, I do. Well, that's fine, but there's certain people we that are have out. a podcast to do, I, and I and I and I have thoughts to to tweet, I, uh, and I need Jesse that, Granger. But I think people take it too far. I follow so many people that here, here's the thing about how good these guys are. So I'll follow about maybe five to seven Golden Knights writers for different various outlets, and right under because they're all on the same Zoom call, they're all at the same place, and it goes boom, 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 boom. It's perfect. That way I don't miss it. Because essentially I'm stalking them, but not in a weird way. I just want my information. That's why I think the sports and aviation thing is great. You can have their information without knowing what plane they're on. I'm Flight sorry. Flight number when it left. That's uh, creepy. If there's pretzels or peanuts, uh, or we have it, uh, Sierra Mr. Sprite, yeah, you can get that. It's really, it's not a good feeling. I, If I was in that situation as a, if I was a player in a team, that would make me uncomfortable. These guys don't care. They're after the cup. How do they get this information? Well, flight information is public, and whether it's private or commercial, flight information is public. So they on websites. type in their name. They probably are. They probably have an outlet that they go to, and they're just they're just tweeting information. It could be somebody from the air from who works for the airport or the airlines, which is creepy, or the government. I don't know. Well, I feel like that. Twitter should be shut down. It's unnecessary. That's just my opinion. I think it's handy. You know. Um, it doesn't make 
your life. It doesn't change my life. No, knowing they're it doesn't. on flight it's interesting. two, three, four. It's interesting. I stalked UNLV's flight too to San Jose. I mean, you know, I was running across at the same time. Basically, they were leaving around the same time on Friday. Wow. Or it was Thursday, actually. That's yeah. That's that's crazy, isn't it? Mind blowing. It says a lot about yourself. I think well. my wife is very very scared right now of just... <laughs> of my stock ability. On Twitter, you can be a reporter. You can make a bio that you're a reporter and stalk other people's tweets and yes. make them your own and be like, look at me, I'm a reporter. But are you really? No. No, right. I don't do that. I'll tweet what they say and I'll hashtag it because that's their information. That's not mine. What does this have to do? You're trying to justify stalking. Uh, no, I only stalk to flight. a point. I stalk to a point. This was a big deal. The Golden Knights were going to Tahoe. Everybody wants to know when they're leaving. Maybe some people want to see them off. I mean, they don't do that anymore, but looking forward to those again. So, Golden Knights are still in second in the West. They're mm -hmm. just one point behind St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis. And the Avalanche, with a couple of victories, have creeped up right behind them. I think they had 15 points, and now they have 19 points after two victories. Um, I, I still think this team is fantastic. It's just, you know, ups and downs. I think they're just getting their footing, and it was just a bit of a tough two game, three games, really. But um, I think this week, I think tomorrow they're going to come out. I think this has really kicked their butt, and I think that uh, they'll come out strong tomorrow. But they're sick of playing against each other. I can tell because there's been some, there's been some really chip. Really chippy plays. I think Will Carrier was involved in one last night with an elbow. I don't know if he's going to get a fine or a suspension. Um, well, this is what we said this but, was going to happen at the beginning yeah. of the season because they're playing the same teams over and over yep. and over again so often that it gets tiring. Somebody who you've seen the night before or two nights before you had words with and now you got to see him again. It's complicated. There was a point like a week or two ago when St. Louis and Arizona played seven times in a row and that happened because of some COVID issues right. with the teams. They ended up playing each other later on a, seven times in a row. That's really... I, I, I get it for travel. I get it for abbreviated season, but this is really crazy to play that many times. And it's going to continue to happen in the nights. They're going to have these two, three, four game you know, mini-series. Um... And I just think it builds animosity. Uh, it, it builds storylines. It, it, it does build a little bit of hate. And as you continue into the season, um, you do realize that the playoffs are going to be great because everything's on the line. And these guys are familiar with one another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Ryan Reeves has the most hits in the league every year. He's ready to go. Vegas is a physical team. I think sometimes their physicality takes over, yeah. and they forget to score. They forget to play, move the puck. Mm -hmm. They just don't look crisp. They just don't look clean. The passing is not there. They're not jumping into the rush like they usually would. You know, they're not having the puck luck. 
the bounces are not going their way and they're going the other team's way and into Vegas's net. That's where I'm a little concerned. The last three games against Colorado has made me just like, maybe they're not they're they're not there yet. It is a process. It is a puzzle. But you know when they play teams like you know L.A. and San Jose and and, and Anaheim, they look great. But those teams are not going to make the playoffs. Right. You know, most likely. You know, Arizona is a borderline team. When they play the Coyotes, it can go either way, and that's because Arizona is a better team. And then when they play. St. Louis, they have problems with St. Louis every time they play. It's a 5-4 overtime game, one way or the other, every time they play. They've had a problem with Colorado. Um, they don't have to deal with Dallas, because Dallas is in the Central. Um, they don't have to deal with any Canadian teams, because they're all playing each other, which they're probably sick of. Um, it makes for interesting storylines, you know, as, as we move forward. Also, we have uh, some great news um fans will be able to if it's approved um by the state of nevada by the governor's office fans will be able to uh soon start filing into t-mobile um which hasn't happened in about a year coming up um i think the night last game with fans was the 9th of march i think i think there was a road game actually for the nights but somewhere in the first week of march of uh, 2020 so the fans are going to be able to file in it's going to be about 3,000 to 3,600 somewhere in there 20 percent of the capacity um it's not going to be a great you know the best environment but people are going to be able to see their team and with the numbers getting inching better every day um hopefully that can grow and the games are not the same they're just not the same people need it i think the players need it you know, we're going a year into this thing, and hopefully with a little bit more time, we could start. I would love to go to a game and love to go anywhere, really, but... Um, like consistently, you know, like here, there, here, there, you know, just popping into the grocery store or just maybe sneaking a bite to eat. It's just not consistent. No. You know, you're just we're just not able to do things consistently and I think that that's we're going to get there. It it's just going to take more time than everybody thought, but we're starting to see a turn. And that's all we can ask for and yep. Vegas will become Now, there was three or four teams already allowing fans. I think it was Florida, Arizona. Tampa, and Arizona, and I think mm-hmm. Vegas. Vegas might be the fourth. Or the fifth. I'm not really sure, but um, I think Dallas might have invited fans, too. Um, really good. Really good for the people who work there. Yes, absolutely. Because Bill Foley, for a, for, the, for a while, was paying people's salaries who worked at T-Mobile. Yeah, I know, but he can't do that. He can't forever. do that because billionaires are billionaires because they don't give away their money for long. And he's a good he's a good man. Uh, everybody in the in I'm Vegas sure is some kind of tax write-off business. Sure. Write-off, so. But that's something that he does. He did because people can't be out of work, so it's going to be good for them to get back into work. It's going to be good for the players to see people because the Golden Knights have only seen fans in Arizona mm-hmm. and as soon as they saw fans there was a stoppage for a week and a half right after that little mini-series in Arizona. So, um, it will be interesting um, for the Knights. Also, kind of some uh, really great news for the Knights. They're actually going to play 
three games this week against three different opponents, and and it kind of worked out that way because of some of the cancellations from their week and a half off that we just talked about um, for the COVID protocol, which we still have no news on Tomas Nosek. I forgot about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, with that, with, with all that going on, I mean they've gotten everybody back, and, and he is still nowhere to be found, not a peep. And I think that's obviously due to the CBA the NHL has with the players. You're not going to hear much, but he's been out for what happened? Four or five. Was he the COVID? No. That was the game in the second period. Let me see if I can pull that oh, up. That's right. In the second period against Anaheim, where they just pulled him out. Where they won five to four. They were up four to one. That's the game that they squandered. That game was two weeks ago. It was on the ninth. So 12 days, and it's supposed to be 10 to 14. So we could see him, I guess, tomorrow. Look, if he's on the ice for any type of skate, if they have one tomorrow, then you may see him. But just so strange. The coaching staff came back. He has not. And, of course, Leonard claims shoulder. So really, really strange. Uh, Anyhow, kind of getting back to... Um, their week that's going to be for the Knights uh, tomorrow at 6 o'clock Vegas time against Colorado and Denver. These are all road games this week. Um, Thursday in San Jose again against the Sharks uh, should be a terrific fiery on-ice atmosphere after uh, Evander Kane and Riley mm-hmm. Smith, the second to the last person who we ever thought would ever do anything physical against Evander Kane um, went at it. We'll see that Um at 7.30 Vegas time on Thursday, and then against Anaheim in Anaheim, Saturday, uh, 7 o'clock. And then uh, you know, the following week, they get back to their little mini-series in Minis- you know, with Minnesota at T-Mobile. But So those three games, Colorado, San Jose, and Anaheim, we'll all be talking about next week. Um, we'll also be talking about UNLV, their final series of... The season uh, against Fresno State, and those games are ladies coast time, but still be having my eye on them. We will talk to you guys next week. Everybody stay safe. Uh, follow me at Vegas Fever Pod. Check out the Mountain West Wire, my column that will be coming out um, Tuesday, and then Paula is at the Golden Wife on Twitter. Everybody, have fun. Stay safe. Bye.